0: This is Transforming Truth, with the life-changing Word of God that heals, delivers, fills you with the Holy Spirit, all for your supernatural walk in Christ. Stay tuned for Transforming Truth with Chris Palmer. Good morning, God bless you. This is Reverend Chris Palmer, here on the Transforming Truth radio broadcast. You're tuned in. It's 103.5 FM WMUZ. It's Saturday night. You could be doing a number of things. Maybe you're going to your friend's house. Maybe you're in the kitchen cooking. Maybe you're getting ready to go to bed. Maybe you just tuned into this station and you're looking for a song. And who's this guy on the radio? But, nevertheless, you're with us tonight. So don't touch that dial. I want you to stay tuned. Let me accompany you for your drive. But more so, let God's power, let the presence of the Holy Spirit, let His Word fill your heart tonight. ...as we minister to you the transforming truth. And so we have a great show prepared for you. Um, I want to go ahead and get started. We have several things to cover tonight. And uh, before we do that, I want to take a minute and say thank you to all of our partners that partner with us in prayer, that partner with us financially in your giving... Um, Paul said in scripture that I desire for you to give, not for my gain, but that fruit may abound in your account. I have all and am full having received of Epaphroditus, the gift which was well acceptable, a sweet smelling savor unto the Lord. Um, And so thank you for your giving. I believe that when you give to this ministry, it's good ground, it's good soil. We are overseas preaching the gospel You know, we have a lot that's going on in this ministry as uh, we continue in what God has called us to do. He's been faithful to bless us with more. Uh, Our material is being published now in Europe, and uh, we're getting it and distributing it into people's hands, and it takes giving. It takes finances to do that, so we thank you for sowing to us, and you know, when you give to the hands of this ministry, one thing the Lord showed me a while back was that when I, this ministry receives offerings, we receive it not as man, but we receive it as the hands of Jesus uh, to continue to preach this gospel. And one thing I told the Lord is that if I'm going to take financial contributions from his people to always keep me accountable to preach the right doctrine, the ministry is a sacred trust. Praying and tending to God's flock is a sacred trust. And maintaining the church is a sacred trust. We saw that in the parables we were talking about last week. We were talking about the, the the servants or the watchmen that fell asleep. They weren't doing their job. And so we want to be watchmen that always provide a fresh word from you, always have a prophetic, on-time word from the Lord, and uh, preach the full gospel of Jesus. So thank you for your help. If you want to learn more about this ministry, you can go to www.chrispalmerministries.com. we just got our brand-new website. It's up and running. And you can there uh, learn about the ministry, uh, You can uh, sow financially, and uh, you can learn about our products as well. Uh, Or you can write us, PO Box 403, while Lake Michigan, 48390. Or you can email me, info at chrispalmerministries.com. And thank you for your prayers uh, as we're in Italy, preaching the word, as we're ministering and uh, expanding our reach in that area. We appreciate everybody that supports us. And so we want God's best for you, and we thank you for praying for us to receive God's best as well. Also, our book, my book, The Believer's Journey, God's Path of Transformation, is on sale. It's on Amazon.com. You can go to Amazon and type in Chris Palmer, or you can type in The Believer's Journey. It'll come up, and it'll be a blessing to you. Very powerful book, and it will teach you a lot of unique truths. Not necessarily new truths, but truths that maybe... I believe, uh, will help you along in your journey to help you discover for your own life a how to have an authentic walk with God. You know, so many people, they have a walk with the Lord that is through another person. And God has designed this fellowship to have with you so you can have it authentic, not dependent on any man. If any man would ever let you down, you know, at the end of Paul's ministry, you see in Second Timothy... I believe it's chapter 4 or 5, <clears throat> that he's alone. People have left him. All his friends have betrayed him. But that did not reduce his relationship with the Lord because his relationship with God was not based on any bishop or pastor or preacher or a friend in Christ. It was based upon his relationship with the Holy Spirit. And the basis of this ministry, Chris Palmer ministry, just one thing I told the Lord, is that my job is like a quarterback to hand off. To uh, the Holy Ghost you I don't possess you If you come under my tutelage I hand you off to the Holy Spirit So that the Holy Spirit can convert you over to Jesus And you know I tell people that There's going to come a point in time Where I say I've taken you as far as I know how to take you There's nothing more I can teach you And you need to look to the Holy Spirit to take you further Because if you follow me, you're going to receive my limitations. But if you follow the Holy Ghost, there will be no limitations. And you know, if you follow just one man and that's it and look to one man, you lose your originality of thinking. God doesn't want you to be an unoriginal thinker. He wants you to be an original thinker. So you need the Holy Spirit to help you with that. When you get born again, you don't put your mind and your brain on the shelf. What you do is you put on the mind of Christ, which is the most original mind. You're supposed to speak originally. You're supposed to think originally. And all for his kingdom and his glory. So the book will teach you that. Different things of that nature. Okay. Let me pray and we'll get started with what God has for us tonight. Lord, I worship and I praise you. Jesus, I thank you. If you are listening tonight, I want you to just worship the Lord right now where you're at. Honor him. Honor his presence. Say, Holy Spirit, you're welcomed in my midst. Father I thank you for your precious Holy Spirit He's welcome tonight in this broadcast I pray for the power of the anointing I pray that you would activate spiritual gifts in the hearts of every listener I pray tonight Father that people's hearts would be changed I pray their lives would be changed I pray Father tonight that depression go from people You're listening tonight, you're a pastor, you need refreshing May the presence of the Holy Ghost come over you as you listen to this broadcast There is a situation where somebody has lied on you. Father, I pray that the truth be made known and manifest in this situation. I pray, Father, that you turn it and you expose every seed of deception now in the name of Jesus. And we praise you for it, God. I pray that you would edify and encourage every listener. We thank you. We bless this broadcast. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Lord put heavy on my heart to minister to the, sh- to the people listening uh, concerning the secrets of life. This is a series I'm doing on the parables of Jesus. Many times people have concepts from the Word of God and they don't understand what the Word is saying in certain areas. They have pet doctrines. They like to kick around. But when it comes to some of the most clear s- aspects of Scripture, they don't know what the Scripture means. And I believe that when the Holy Spirit locks onto your understanding, He begins to take the scriptures that seem to be the most, not necessarily insignificant, but difficult. And He illuminates those scriptures unto you to give you a broad and thorough understanding of what He's saying. You say, how do I know the Holy Spirit has been active in my life? Well, He's been active in your life if He starts unlocking and uncovering to you certain aspects of Scripture And he does it for you in a lively manner that gets a hold of your heart and changes who you are and causes you to better serve the kingdom of God and to look forward to his coming. When the Holy Spirit is interpreting scripture for you, it is not dead scripture, and it becomes alive and living and demonstratable in your life. How do you know that it's a revelation from God? Because you start demonstrating it. It's just maybe a thought from man when you can't demonstrate it, but when it becomes... Uh, you can produce it in your life, it becomes demonstrable, it comes from the Lord. And so I want to minister to you on the parables. Uh, we've talked about two so far. We talked about the parable of the sower, who sowed the word. Then we talked about the parable of the sower, who sowed uh, the children of the kingdom. But tonight we're going to talk about the parable of the mustard seed. Many times people say, oh, these are boring, is this like Sunday school. No, 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 this is, this listen, listen, friend. This is going to change your life for the good. People need to understand that there's more in Scripture that has to do with just your main need right now. You may have bills to pay, you may have rebellious children, or a marriage that's driving you up the wall, or maybe your life is being threatened by disease or sickness. But when you go to the Word of God, it shouldn't always be to find something that's applicable to that very present and real need at the moment. You should go to the Word of God and allow the truth to hit you the way it's supposed to hit you. I remember one time that when I was studying the book of Revelation in college back in 2003, when I really made it a point to study that But was it two? Or was it, 2003? It was two, it just 2003, uh, winter of 03. Um, I used to spend two hours for three or four months a night reading that book and studying it. And during that time, God spoke to me some of the most insightful truths about what it is he wanted me to do, best pertaining to my calling, many of those things I've seen come to pass already in my life. And I wasn't going to God seeking His will for my life. I was going to God seeking His word. And He began to reveal to me His will. That's because the word of God, the Bible, is also tied to the word of Christ. It's part of the mind of God. When you go to the word, and it's just, the Bible is part of the mind of God. The Bible is absolute truth, but it's not not all the truth that there is in the mind of God. It's the truth He decided to reveal to us concerning His plan for mankind. And it's authentic. You can't add anything to it. But at the same time, he has a now word that he wants to give to you. And it's the word of Christ and it's the word of the kingdom. And so when you're in his word, you open up your heart to his word and you can hear him speaking to you personally. Concerning how maybe you can get your healing or what to do to walk in the deliverance that he set up for you. How to break free from your depression. And so that's why I say, listen, you may not be interested in what I'm saying tonight. But listen, if you feel the presence of God on my voice. If you feel the presence of God in your car, I want you to maintain and God will speak to you. I might be talking about the parable of the mustard seed and you might hear God start speaking to you about the car that he wants you to receive or about what ministries to partner with. Or he might start talking to you about uh, how many children you're going to have, you know, or who to marry or whatever, wherever you're at in your life, how to grow your business, whatever it may be. So let me let me show you tonight. Matthew chapter 13, verse 31, Jesus goes on and he says another parable. Put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs, and it becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. The same parable is taught in Mark chapter 4 and verse number 30, and it reads in Mark's accounts like this. Wherefore, he said unto them, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God, or wherewith what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth, it is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it's sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs and shoot out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. Okay. And he also tells us one more time in Luke chapter 13 and verse number 18. It says the same thing. Then he said unto them, what is the kingdom of God like? And wherewith shall I resemble it? It's like a grain of mustard seed which a man took, cast into his garden, and it grew, and it waxed a great tree, and the fowls of the air lodged in the branches thereof. You stop and say, Now what is Jesus talking about in this verse? This verse has very powerful truths in it. And in the first two accounts, Matthew's account and Mark's account, Jesus is teaching in the boat to the multitudes, but in Luke's account he's in the synagogue. So this is proof that Jesus often repeated his teachings. Some people say, well, you preach the same sermon that you did tonight, that you did a year ago. You say, "What? Jesus did the same thing. There's only so much things you can know. And so, most people, not most people, people don't get it the first time. But Jesus repeated his teaching, and this was worth repeating, because it's a very powerful teaching. And here's the idea behind it. People from all over come to the kingdom of God. From everywhere they come. With their own philosophies. You say, what do you mean by that? We're going to see this in just a second. Just excited. I promise you, you understand what I mean. But if you're taking notes tonight, if you're at home, I want you to write this down. Because this is going to turn the light on in your brain. And you're going to start seeing, friend, how the kingdom of God works. How it works. People from all over come to the kingdom with their own philosophies. They come into the kingdom with their own ideas. Okay, let me say this. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is a massive institution. So consider for a second how large the kingdom of God is right now. Consider its reach. How big, how massive, how voracious. Then consider how long it's been around for. I'll give you a personal anecdote. Having been around the world several times, it's amazing for me to hear and witness with my own eyes people's concepts about God, higher powers, religion. It all seems a bit overwhelming. I remember once I was at a particular university. This is where I spent some time writing my second book. And for whatever reason, why I was here, it started dawning on me. Just how many people there really are. Because the university, people come from everywhere. They're from different countries. You just don't you see diversity. When you go on a campus, you see diversity. And you interview people. And you ask them, what do you believe? They say, I believe this. What do you believe? I believe that. And it is going to be a hard day. For you, if you're trying to find someone that believed exactly the way you believe. That's because everybody has a different culture. Everybody has a different language. Different experience. Different worldview, if you will. And so, it even makes you... So, so when, when you're doing this, it can be overwhelming. Especially at the, Some of the most overwhelming experience I've had are walking through foreign airports of different countries. Not my own. And I say, man, look at how many people there are. And you consider, I remember I was people watching one time. And I looked and said, each person has just as much history as me if they're my age or older or more. That means all my childhood memories, they have memories of being 12, of being 11, of being 10. They have memories more or less of people in their childhood, memories of school, memories of failure, memories of success. And then they have a present situation, and then they have a hope for a future. Everybody has this. And it's overwhelming. And at the same time, the kingdom of God is for everybody. Who wants to receive an invitation in? So let me say this about the kingdom of God before we start to break this parable apart. With this idea, the kingdom of God, it encompasses people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every land, every continent. But the thing about the kingdom of God is though it embraces culture. Of people from every culture. It is in and of itself. Its own culture. When you come into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is supposed to define you more than your own culture. Jesus intended the kingdom to push your culture aside. And for the kingdom to be the line of similarity in all of us. So you find believers all over the world who've never been to your country. Or you've never been to their country. And your belief may be the same as their belief. So it's like this. You go around. You say, I remember when I first started traveling overseas. And going and meeting the believers, the saints that were over the seas. Going to churches to preach in, in foreign countries. Not in the U.S. I remember it. I was remember how I first time I really went to preach overseas what it was like. And then I kept going back and meeting more people. And you go, you never met these people and then you start finding out they believe the same thing that you believe. You can't talk their language, you don't eat the same food that they eat, you don't have the same tastes in music that they have or but you you believe the same thing they believe about Jesus. You believe the same thing they believe about the cross. You have shared in their culture because you've been beyond the grave and back. You've seen beyond the veil. They've seen beyond the veil. What you say about Jesus and your encounter with him is what they say about Jesus and their encounter with him. What you say about the reality of the kingdom is what they say about the reality of the kingdom. You start speaking in your prayer language and tongues and it sounds like their prayer language you start lifting up jesus and the same presence of god that you respond to they start responding to why because you have shifted out of your culture they've shifted out of their culture and you're now partaking of the culture of the kingdom this is how god designed it to be jesus said in scripture in john chapter 17 and verse number twenty one I'll read this to you john seventeen twenty one that they may be one as thou Father art in me, and I in thee, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, so God has designed the believers all over the world to be one. This is allowing the kingdom of God to be your culture. hence listen um the realm of the kingdom. Is for those people. That want to truly follow Christ. The realm of professing. Or profession. In the kingdom. Is for those who say they follow Christ. So there are those who take their ideas. From the culture of the kingdom. When they come into the kingdom. And there are those so those are the people that come into the kingdom, you may be from <clears throat> Italy, you may be from Africa, you may be from New Zealand, Papua New Guinea. You eat certain food, you think certain ways, you have a certain worldview. But when you come into the kingdom, you now think the way of the kingdom and you allow the culture of the kingdom to form your worldview. But there are people that say, oh I love Jesus, oh I'm in the kingdom... But when they come to the kingdom, they don't allow the kingdom to develop them. They take their own ideas and they begin to put their own ideas into the kingdom and mix them to the kingdom. And you'll see in just a second that many of these ideas are from the spirit of Antichrist. And what Jesus is saying in this parable, we'll see it in a second, is that there are in the kingdom of God... Even though there is the true children of the kingdom and there are the children of the devil in the kingdom of God, in this present state, in its mystery state right now, there are people that allow the kingdom to develop them and there are people that add their own idea to the kingdom. That's why you can find certain believers and they differ on what what they say about certain things. And I'm loosely careful about what I say about believers because I don't want to judge. Because I don't know, it's not for me to declare who's following Jesus and who's not. But you can go into a church, an institution, and say, there's some people that say, Oh, yeah, yeah, we believe in Jesus and he's our king. But at the same time, they're not opposed to gay marriage. They're not opposed to abortion. They're not opposed to fornication. They want people to just get along. Oh, but we love Jesus, they say. But they don't have these ideas. Why? Why? Because they've not accepted the culture of the kingdom. There's those people that say, oh, we love Jesus, but they don't want to give. They want to walk in love. They're not kind to people. They're full of pride. These people are not allowing the culture of the kingdom to develop them. So you're going to see that the realm of profession that we're in, the kingdom, that we're in, it, it's form today, is going to take in everybody until, like we saw last week in the parable, the tares are separated from the wheat. And Jesus was illustrating in this parable the enormity of the kingdom, its divisions, and how people from everywhere enter into this realm of profession and supposedly make the kingdom up. So you may say, well, the body of Christ is so large, there's so many ideas, there's so many cultures it embraces. That's true. Yet there is only one culture, and that's God's culture, and that's the culture of the kingdom. Everything else is added and it's good for nothing in the end. And it's imperative to know the difference. When you let the Spirit of God teach you to cut through the differences, the body of Christ will not be so overwhelming. You'll see that the culture of the kingdom is what matters and nothing more. The teachings of Jesus and the word of Christ apart from the excesses of the ideas of the world are the only thing that matters in the kingdom of God and in scripture. Everything else is excess. Whatever people bring from other parts of the world is indifferent. What matters is what have you picked up from the Holy Ghost. What have you picked up from God? Everything else, put it aside because all it does is gender, division, and strife. People say, well, yeah, Yeah, the way we practice the kingdom of God in this culture is superior. No, it's not. Put it aside. Are you following me tonight? There's power in here. So, you're saying, Reverend Palmer, I should lay aside my culture for the culture of the kingdom? Yes. There's no black or white. There's no Jew or Greek. There's no male. There's no female. All Are children of God when you get born again? You're of the same blood. Yeah, but you know, I was born in this country, it takes a back seat. Now, see this in just a second. So, the first thing that we see in this parable is that the kingdom of God is considered to be a grain of mustard seed. This is, again, a seed parable. Notice how it begins. The first parable is the sower sows the word. The seed is the word of the kingdom. The second thing is the sower sows um, the, the seed, which is the children of the kingdom. And this one is another seed parable. And it represents unnatural growth and development of the kingdom of God. Because everything in the kingdom of God begins with the seed. And the fruit is in the seed, and the seed is in the fruit. And the grain of mustard seed that's talked about right here is thought by theologians to be the black mustard seed. And it would be considered by botanists, or herbalists, or whatever you may call them, the smallest of all garden seeds. Yet, this black mustard seed is known to grow as tall as, one book puts it, a horse and rider. In other words, sum up to the height of 12 feet tall. This little tiny seed that you could fit on the tip of your finger and grow up to be 12 feet tall. Now, that I didn't bother to try and look up the percentage of growth and scaling itself to size, but the scale of it would be massive. That supernatural growth, divine growth is what it represents. And so, this mustard seed is illustrating to people the kingdom of God in its present manifestation. Consider, the kingdom of God began when Jesus started preaching it. Because up till John the Baptist, there were the law and the prophets. Then John the Baptist came and he wasn't preaching the same message as the prophets. Malachi, Micah, Zephaniah, Isaiah, Zechariah, Hosea, Amos, Obadiah. These people were preaching the law. They were preaching prophecy. They were against Babylon. They were against Assyria. Whatever the situation may have been at the time. John the Baptist came. His message was different. He wasn't talking about that. He was talking about the coming of the kingdom of God. That should be ushered in by its king, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's when it began. And in just a few hundred years after the passion of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God literally overtook the world. What started off through the preaching of John and the inauguration by Jesus... And then the Acts of the Apostles, which was a period of twenty years in the book of Acts, with the apostles, and according to Acts chapter thirteen, overtook, overthrew the world, overturned the world, turned the world upside down. Um, The kingdom, in just a few hundred years, I believe it was fifth century, when uh, it was made the official religion by Constantine in the Roman Empire, it became a worldwide phenomena. And many people entered into it following Christ, especially after the persecutions. So there was tremendous abnormal growth of the kingdom of God. And then, who sowed this grain of mustard seed? Who was the person that came along and preached the kingdom? It was, of course, the man. And we'll stay consistent with how we've been interpreting the other parables. And that man is Christ Jesus. And where did he sow the kingdom of God? Well, he sowed it into the field, and the field, as were consistent with the rest of Scripture, happens to be the world. Isn't that interesting? That the kingdom of God, or the sower, or, or the mustard seed that's been sown, which has abnormal growth and grows up to be 12 feet tall, is in the world. That's right. You say, where's the kingdom of God right now? It's in the world. Many people look into heaven. They're looking around. no. The kingdom is now. Because of Jesus, it's been inaugurated, and the kingdom of God is in this present state in the world that is proven by the mustard seed that has been sown into the earth. It's here, and it's now. The question is, are you able to operate in it? It's said of the mustard seed that it's the least of all seeds. After Christ came, he preached the kingdom. John preached the kingdom. And when they did this, they upset many religious leaders because this is what they preached. You know, it's one thing to preach Jesus. It's another thing to preach what Jesus preached. So as believers, we should preach what Jesus preached, and that's the kingdom. You say, well, we should preach on this, and Brother Paul, we should preach on being, preach the kingdom. Where Jesus went, he was kingdom conscious. He understood the kingdom. He understood it so well, he took these parables and he brought them out. That's why I'm teaching these parables, is because the great secrets of life are wrapped up in the idea of the kingdom. You know why people miss out on the real mean of life? is because they go through the field and never see the mustard seed. They go through the field and never see the mustard plant. They don't see the kingdom. They go through life pleasing themselves or pleasing the people they love or trying to leave a legacy and they never realize that there's a secret kingdom and this is what it's all about. And Jesus said, I'm going to teach you the secrets of life, but it all begins with the kingdom of heaven. And so... When people don't ever hear about the kingdom, they will live their lives unfulfilled. Oh, this is powerful. When you don't know about the kingdom, your life will fail to make sense. Christianity becomes like other religions. Until you understand the concept of the kingdom of God and you get into flow with that kingdom Otherwise, it will just be like the same as the rest. You begin to excel in your relationship with the Spirit of God. When He manifests His kingdom to your understanding as a revelation from Him. So when God gives unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation according to Ephesians 1.17, He's going to show to you the kingdom, how it operates, how it works. And it's going to become A conscious reality in your life personally. So it says that even though it's the least of all seeds, it has unnatural growth. As I said, this is speaking about the unnatural growth and development. This is the outward development of the kingdom. When I say the outward development of the kingdom, you know, the church, the perceived church, the Christians, whatever the world considers it. How the kingdom looks and forms from the outside and its expansion into the world. Let me say this, that the development of the kingdom outwardly, it may be growing, but it's not all God. Or should I say that not everybody that says they're a Christian is a Christian. Not everybody that professes Christ knows Christ. Not everybody that claims to follow Christ loves Christ. How about this? Not everybody that says they know Jesus is known by Jesus. How could you say that, Brother Palmer? I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Many shall stand to me, Lord, Lord. Have we not cast out devils? Have we not prophesied in that name? Have not we done many mighty miracles in their name? And at that time, I will say, depart from me. I never knew you. I'm not. I, I live in fear of this. That's why I preach it. I live conscious of this. This is. I'm not accepted from this. Nobody's accepted from this. That's why you need to walk in fear of God. In fear of When you say fear, I don't mean you're afraid that God's going to throw a lightning bolt at you or drop a brick on you tomorrow from heaven. I mean that you live with God in mind when you talk, when you make decisions, when you think. You live with His... you fear God. You don't want to disobey His commands. How can a man uh, stay pure? By living according to your word, O Lord. That The beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. The fear of God is the beginning of understanding. Um... That's where your understanding takes place. So you, so here's what I'm saying. Yes, you do altar calls. Just because you answer an altar call doesn't mean you're born again. Just because you raise your hand when the preacher says "Who's here is a sinner?" doesn't mean you're born again. You have to follow Jesus. You have to follow Christ. That's why me, I'm never. As I've traveled and preached, and people say, "How you went? So and so? How many people got saved?" I really, you know what? I don't have a problem taking numbers. 2000 were saved on the day of Pentecost, 3000 3, were saved when they heard Peter preach. But at the same time, you go, with some people say, "Oh, thousands, thousands of people got saved." Blah, blah, blah. Well, we'll find out. I guess won't we? How many people really did get saved? Or how many people just became part of the realm of professing people that say they got saved? This is all part of the growth of the kingdom of God, and I'm going to take it deeper in just a second. When I talk about how the kingdom of God becomes a great tree, I'm not undermining ministries. But what I'm saying is, I give people a chance to accept Jesus. I give people a chance to give their hearts to Jesus. And that's between them and God. They say, well, how many people got saved? Well, this is how many people came up to be saved. But that's between them and the Lord. I can't say for sure. We'll be back in just a second. Stay tuned. I'm going to come back. We're going to finish talking about the secrets of life, the parable of the mustard seed. We'll be back after this. Back here on the Transforming Truth Radio Broadcast. God bless you. You know, I just want to say before we finish this broadcast tonight, I'm thankful for all of our partners, people that give to this ministry and uh, support us financially. Our, our desire is to teach people how to live uh, a life that is led and directed by the Holy Ghost, how to live life uh, and honor God, how to live a honor life towards God and to walk with honor, and walk in God, and walk in the Spirit. And so we provide teachings on the broadcast. We're, we, we preach on deliverance sometimes. We preach on healing. We preach on faith and the walk of the Spirit. Certain things like that. Praying in tongues, uh, worship, the presence of God. Now Tonight we're talking about the parables of Jesus, because I believe that um, they're very imperative to understanding how the kingdom operates. You can't preach the kingdom of God. Until you understand the parables of God. Because these are the kingdom parables found in Matthew chapter 13. And I want people to know the mind of God concerning his kingdom. And we're talking about the parable of the mustard seed. And the parable of the mustard seed illustrates this great truth. And that is that people from all over come to the kingdom with their own philosophies. And they try to enter therein. Um, let me say this. That after... The mustard seed is planted into the ground. It grows up. It has unnatural growth. And the word of God says it becomes a great tree. Luke 13 verse 19. Trees represent a couple of things in scripture, people and kingdoms. But in this case, it represents a kingdom. And you can see that in Ezekiel 3 and Daniel 4. <clears throat> so this represents a great kingdom. And so, in the realm of the earth that we're living, there has grown a great kingdom that was started by the word of Christ. And indeed, this is true. The word of Christ was preached, and it started a massive kingdom. And the kingdom of God is here in the earth. And people say, where is it? Where is the kingdom? It's here, and it's now. And the reason it is here is because Christ laid the groundwork for the kingdom. This is very powerful. To understand that the sayings of Jesus have not passed away. You can get as many liberal uh, politicians as you want that want to mock the Word of God. Even conservative ones, whatever. People that want to mock the Word of God. They don't want to say Christmas. They don't want to say Merry Christmas. They don't want nativity. No, no, no. Take the Ten Commandments down. But let me say this. You cannot uproot the tree that has grown because of the Word of Christ that was produced. There's a living kingdom and there's nothing you can do about it. Nothing. You can persecute the people that follow it, but you cannot stop the kingdom. It can't be uprooted. And so the Word of God says now there's a kingdom here. People know it all over the world. You go tell people the kingdom of God, they hear it, and this is where the birds come in. The Bible says that the birds of the air come in its branches. So there are two types of birds in Scripture. The first you'll see that there is the idea in Scripture of clean birds. And these clean birds in Scripture represent true believers and converts of the kingdom that feed on the seed of God's Word. Matthew six twenty six. You know, the Spirit of God. Some people say, well, birds are always representative of demonic spirits. That's not true. Because in it says that when Jesus was baptized in the river... And he was baptized in the spirit, and after he came up out of the water, he saw the spirit of God descending upon him as a dove. So not all birds are demonic. So it just says birds here. In this case, the birds aren't doing anything particularly demonic, like you would see, like the birds in Matthew 13, talking about the parable of the sower, where the birds take the word and snatch it away. These birds aren't doing anything demonic. They're just existing. And so, we'll just say the clean types of birds represent people that are really converts, people that feed on the seeds of God's Word, those who have literally been regenerated by the Spirit of God, been born again, got the Holy Ghost. But then, there's another type of bird, and those are evil birds. And you'll see that birds do wicked things in Scripture, Genesis 15.10. Are those birds that Abraham drove away because they were trying to defile a sacrifice. They're birds that are abomination in Leviticus chapter 11. In Revelation chapter 18 you see that Babylon was the habitation of unclean spirit and hateful birds. And so these are, now listen, listen, this is powerful. These are those unregenerate members of the church. People who proclaim the kingdom but have not been Changed by the kingdom. So you have two types. People who are clean. That have been changed by the word of Christ. The word gets in their heart. It develops inside of them. And they get changed by the kingdom and conformed to the word of Christ. And then you have other people inside this kingdom. Who try to make it up. And they say that the word has changed them. But it hasn't. And they're still unregenerate, and they proclaim the kingdom, but they have not been changed by it. And guess what? They exist together, just like the tares and the wheat. That's powerful. It helps. You say, "Well, how's it powerful?" It helps you to understand what's going on. You say, "Look at all these Christians." Wait, 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 wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Jesus says, in this kingdom, there are going to be those that never knew him. In this kingdom, it's going to be inhabited by a lot of people. Some of them don't even know him. I don't say this to be self-righteous. I don't say this to look down and be demeaning. I'm just teaching the parables of Jesus. The branches. Mark doesn't mention the birds and the branches, but... Matthew and Luke mention them. And so, they tell us the account, and listen to what the birds do in the branches. Number one, they made their nest, which means they dwell. They took refuge and protection, which means security. And they feed on the seed, which means they listen to teaching of the kingdom. And so, in the branches... The unclean birds, they make their nesting and they hatch their unclean offspring and they pollute the branches. So you say, what do the branches represent? Well, the branches represent two things I believe. Number one, it represents the different sects of Christianity and the major denominations and groups of Christianity. That If you consider Christianity over now... The last hundred years. And you consider it over the course of church history. You'll discover that there was many different types of sects. There's different types of denominations. But I also believe that it can mean. And it certainly does mean. The different types of revelations of Christ that you have within the kingdom. Or your different revelation of the kingdom. Certain Branches come off of different aspects that people have mastered and have gained understanding of. Different aspects about the Word of God. Not to say that they're bad. It's just different sex. And God loves them. Different groups. And you'll understand that because of these different groups, different denominations, different which are different ideas and revelations that come from the Word of God, that come from Christ, that all sorts of... People all across the world are going to find these sects and denominations and they're going to come to them and nest in these branches and feed on the teaching and the preaching that is given to them. But guess what? Jesus said they are also those that are going to bring their own ideas in with them. As a means to try to not be conformed by the kingdom, but make the kingdom conform to them, and this is where the Kingdom of God is in its present state that's why there shouldn't be confusion many times when you say, "What's going on in the kingdom of god? It's so overwhelming, all these people no 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 Jesus saw it coming the kingdom let me let me read to you now. Um, what we what this parable means as a result of our interpretation, we could say it like this. The kingdom of heaven is sown into the world by Jesus Christ. And though it began small, when it grew, it becomes the greatest of all kingdoms. And it has many denominations and many sects and people from every nation and every tribe Live among them. And this begs the idea, friend, that they're going to bring their own ideas into it. So that means this, that means this, that means this. Not every tradition is God's tradition. And not every word is God's word. And not every idea is God's idea. And not every thought is God's thought. And not everything that people say from the pulpit is God's idea. That's why you have to have a relationship with the Holy Ghost. So he can show you this person has come in among us, but he's not of us. Why? Because the kingdom's not in him. The word of the kingdom has not been sown into his heart. This is powerful. All he's done is professed it. And he's not a child of the kingdom. He's a child of the wicked one. He's a terror. And he's toying with the idea of what the kingdom is supposed to be. But that's what Jesus said was going to happen. So the kingdom of God grew from its small little beginning, 12 disciples, into every nation, every tribe, every tongue, and now dwell within. And people from all over the world, these birds have come into denominational branches, bringing their themselves Or and their defilements, their corruptions, their philosophies, their ideologies, their worldviews and they begin to feed on the seed of the word of God and they start to mix that together. And guess what the kingdom becomes? A corrupt version of what the kingdom should be. And so the kingdom itself is pure. But birds come in with their own concepts and mingle them with the ideas of the kingdom. And from this comes forth impure ideas. And the kingdom starts to develop outwardly by people who come into it with their backgrounds. And they mix their backgrounds with the kingdom. And it doesn't make it the kingdom. It becomes a pollution to the kingdom. Are you seeing this, friend? You say, well, yeah, we got two... Thousand people saved today. Praise the Lord. But here's what Jesus is looking at. Did the kingdom change them? Are they subscribing to the pure fundamental doctrines of Christ? Or is there some pet defiling doctrine that they have in their hand that they don't want to let go of? You say, well, what's wrong with that? Because when you humble yourself before the Lord Jesus Christ, He'll change you. And he'll give you the pure word of Christ. You don't know where those doctrines are at. You don't know where people are coming from. What people have had their hands in. You want to let go of things that are not taught to you by Jesus Christ. So this is the parable of the mustard seed. The kingdom of his master. So when you see, you say, what does this have to do with me? Here it is again. It helps you to understand what Jesus said about this age and about the kingdom. That the real believers are the ones that are going to allow themselves to be transformed by the word. Transformed by Jesus. The kingdom of God. Listen to this. You say, what's the kingdom? Here it is. One of my professors told me this in, in seminary. I'll never forget it. It is hearing the word of Christ. Hallelujah. Hearing the word of Christ. Over and over again. Till it gets in your heart. And changes you. The kingdom of God at all times. Is the word of Christ dwelling within our hearts. So those that are real. In the kingdom. Not just the realm of professing Christians. But those that really make up the kingdom. Are the ones that say. I take your word Lord. Over my word. I take what I've learned before. And I put it aside. And I conform to your word. Thank you Jesus for your word. Let me pray for you tonight. If you want the word of Christ to dwell in you richly, this is the kingdom in all wisdom. I'm going to pray and I'm going to believe God tonight that the word of Christ will dwell in your heart richly. Father, I thank you for every person listening under the sound of my voice. I pray tonight that there would be imminence on your word. I pray tonight, Father, there would be imminence on your spirit. I pray you fill every person listening with a fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit, God. So that your word can be illuminated in their life, that it could change them, that it could transform them. May they not be overcome, Father, by those that come in and seek like those that are wolves in sheep's clothing, Father. But I pray that they not be swayed by false teachers. I pray they not be swayed tonight, Father, by people that speak lies, by people that are sinners, by people, Father, that are... Uh, that that come in and try to deceitfully use them and, and, and despise them. I pray, Father, that they would have discernment operating in their lives, in their ministries, that they'd have the empowerment and the fresh fire of the Holy Ghost in their life. I thank you tonight, God. I release it, and I give you praise in Jesus' name. I pray against depression. I pray against sorrow. I command them to stand down in the name of Jesus. And I pray for a fresh anointing on every person under the sound of my voice. I give you praise for it tonight, Father. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you, friend. If you receive that prayer, I want you to write to me. Www. Info at Uh If you don't know Jesus, I want you to say, Lord, come into my heart. I give my heart to you. Save me. I want to be born again. Deliver me. Set me free. In Jesus' name. Someone says, well, you can't pray that if you mean it from your heart and you confess Jesus, Lord, you can be saved. It's not for me to determine. It's for the Lord to do the work. So God bless you, friend. If you want to write to us, info at chrispalmerministries.com. If you want to discover more about us, www.chrispalmerministries.com. And our book, The Believer's Journey, God's Path of Transformation, it's available on Amazon. So go and look it up and you'll be blessed by it. We have more exciting things coming up for you. We will be back next week, 12.15 a.m. on the Transforming Truth broadcast. Don't miss it. We're going to keep going at it. In Jesus' name. Be blessed and we'll see you next week. Now that you've received the transforming truth of the Word of God, go deeper. Go to our website, ChrisPalmerMinistries.com or log on to our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Ministries. Then partner with Chris financially at Chris Palmer Ministries, P.O. Box 403, Walled Lake, Michigan, 48390. And tune in again every Saturday night at 1215 a.m. for Transforming Truth with Chris Palmer on WMUZ 103.5 FM, The Light.